All right, guys, welcome back to Geek Domination for our nerdly news section. Noises. Anyway, so we're here with the news. We're uh, in the gaming portion of our podcast here at the gaming news. Um, first up, Payday 2, a game that we all thought we wouldn't play at one point, and then no one ever picked it up. It's uh, kinda... I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about it until like no. I don't even know, it's fifteen minutes ago, and saying I was like, oh yeah, this is what it is. Um, yeah, so apparently they added microtransactions. Um, yep. And at first, it seemed like it was a pleasing thing because it just seemed like it was mostly just skins and small mods that you could still get in the game otherwise, but just a higher chance of dropping. Not necessarily game breaking in any way, but then it broke the game. It did. So it started uh, the drill that you can get from oh, paying five dollars. Or something like that, $3, something like that. Um, has a higher chance of dropping guns that are better than anywhere else in the game. And that's something that no one likes. No one likes pay to win. Uh, however, in addition to all this, they've also done the worst thing possible and tried to flat out ignore it. Honestly, I'm kind of glad someone fucked it up. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of am too because it kind of really helps paint the warning sign on the wall. of Like, exactly. this isn't what you do. So. I'm, I'm glad because, you know, we, we've seen it on your little cell phone games and stuff like that. Pay to win. Yep. Okay, it's a yep, little yep. cell phone game. Nobody cares. Um, we avoided it with Destiny so far. Yeah, and, and so I'm, I'm glad that Destiny kind of has a model now of what happens when you fuck it up. Yeah, so like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is what not to do. And in lieu of that, actually, we're actually going to talk real quick about how Destiny's microtransactions and their emotes have been selling. Yeah, we've been a little terrified of it, but... It turns out things are going pretty well. Yeah, Kotaku ran a nice little poll of their fan base. And so I'll supply also the total number of votes because that's important to take note. But first up, they asked, did you pay extra for starter silver, uh, beyond the free starter silver? Remember, you only got 400. That's only enough to buy two of the basic emotes, none of the fancy shit, um, which were 500 per. But uh, out of about almost just shy of 20,000 people, uh, 75% or 72% uh, chose not to purchase any more glimmer or similar silver, whatever it is. Yeah, currency. the silver. Um, kind of ball like par for the course in terms of what you would expect in terms of a microtransaction situation. But it's also kind of saddening that maybe out of the votes and whatnot, because it seems like the rest of these polls were taken with a larger sample of votes. But... It does seem like only about, realistically, about 30% of people decided to actually put money into it, which, albeit, I would also say probably about 30% of the population Destiny, maybe a little bit more, is able to pay for it. <laughs> Let's throw that out there, too. Yeah, because, I mean, whether whether you're able to pay for it or not is is not necessarily the issue. What what I think the, the issue is running into here is the fact that we've already paid so much for this game. Yeah, that too. To, to, to have microtransactions added to it, I'm sure a lot of people feel that as a slap in the face. What Zane made me realize, what I've come to the the exception of, yep. is the fact that this will pay for content later. Yeah, if we can fund it now at you know five bucks a piece, if everyone who plays Destiny gave five bucks a piece, we'll get the an next DLC. Free, yeah, is free. It's free, and everyone gets it, and everyone gets to play it. Exactly. So, so I I can see where that's where that's we'll going to be. Like thing. we were talking about, like we're hoping that those the the what they've been alluding to of like items that'll automatically make you 25 being all purchasable as well as like things of like automatically finishing subclasses and things like that. We hope that those things do come because those don't 
ruin the game. They just speed up. Yeah, your it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a play to win. I mean, yeah. pay to win. Because like everything that's fun about Destiny is in the end game, and if you're there and you don't have a full subclass, or you're like you, you just jumped in and you're trying to catch up essentially to where you're at on the Xbox version on the PlayStation. Oh, I've already, I've already passed it. You've kind of passed it in a way, but yeah, in so, a lot of ways, the other portions of that progression, though, like subclasses and the multiple classes, period, is something that like uh, uh, a consumable would solve. That that would solve if you could pay like five bucks to immediately finish off a hunter for the most part or something like that. Like a hunter subclass. Yeah, yeah. You would do it. Yeah, like, it, it's simple. It's simple and easy. So, not necessarily negative, just different. Um, but to go on, uh, what's funny is we also they also asked, you know, which emotes did people get? At the top, we have sorrow with uh, about 14 percent of the population on that one. No. Followed up immediately by the Carlton. <laughs> the population of this was about thirty three thousand people, and um, looks like about almost five thousand people got sorrow out of this population, and four thousand got the Carlton, which means four thousand people of that thirty thousand. Paid money. Paid money, yeah. At least $5, if not more. Uh, what's the other? Slow clap. Let's see how many got slow clap. Uh, slow clap was another 2,300 people, yeah. which means they paid money as well. So in I was total, one of those people. Yeah. In total, <laughs> in total, what, you, what you're getting there is roughly 6,000. Yeah, about 6,000 people. About 6,000 people out of this poll. Paid at least $5. I know paid I paid 10 because I wanted more than just the one thing. So, so even, even if we go back up to that first statistic... Um, the people, the people in this poll alone, if any of those people were not the same, we're already looking at more people who've already funded. Yeah. I mean, like you were, you were kind of joking around about it. It's about $20,000 right there. Plus. Plus slow clap. Like that was yeah. just for the Yeah, dance. exactly. So like we're talking now plus another. So we're talking like what? 30000 $30,000 in just this poll. Yeah. And let so, alone the fact that people probably on this list, I know for one, I had to select like five things off this list because once you pay the $10 value, you have 1100 more silver to use, which means you can buy more stuff. And if they're selecting multiple things on this list, like I did, your vote is going in there more. Like you're, you paid more, so your, your vote goes in there more. So anyways, um, most equipped, not surprising, Soro and the Carlton are the two most equipped emotes in the game with not even a percent indifference yep not so even one full percent we got 20.98 for the carlton and 21.89.99 percent difference yep <laughs> so pretty intriguing stats it shows that the microtransactions while not overly successful clearly show promise and that's that's good to know because we like we were just saying there's we have a bad example and now we have a pretty decent one. More Destiny news: We got uh, the Trials of Osiris are going to launch on October thirtieth, so we're yeah, getting so them this back Friday finally. Back, and it sounds like they patched out that Night Stalker problem finally. And we'll see yeah, uh, if, it, if it's not completely out by because I know they just turned it off, but they're trying to patch the actual problem out. That'll probably come this week. That means, yeah. So, so. hopefully they get it fixed up. You know, uh, I'm excited to do it now that I have the PlayStation Four character because beforehand, like I mean, that, yeah. that held no interest lure to me at all but um hopefully hopefully that'll that'll be good considering um, trials gear is pretty much rated on the same level as at least normal normal rate if not hard mode then I, i'm yeah. wondering if trials is going to bring in more elemental primaries i thought that but i think actually what's going to happen is we're going to wind up getting essentially hard mode equivalent gear from a perfect score and from the purchasing end of it you're going to get normal mode equivalent of gear what do you mean Light level, mostly, like ninety nine percent. I'm just talking about light level at that point because I don't think we're gonna get. I think they're 
sticking their guns on the fact that legendaries are just not going to hold an elemental. I think they've pretty much decided that's a thing they want to make sure happens that way because of whatever reason they've justified it with. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, in any burn mode, if you had any of the Crota yeah. weapons... Hell, even if you had a, a vault weapon, it was still preferable half the time. Mm-hmm. So if you had, and the they are phasing prime. the burns out a little bit. They've announced that that's been kind of a thing they've been working towards, well, making I mean, it less of a, a necessity for them and for us. I liked the burns because, especially back in the day with Oversoul oh, yeah. Edict, you just feel like a god. Like you just yeah, run yeah. around and that that first burst three. If you spin fast, oh, enough, yeah, you, you literally could, headshot three people. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but, I don't, it feels like they don't want that kind of thing, you know what I mean? And that's my I worry, because I, I liked want, it too. I want more variety than just the Zala Supercell. That's what I want. Me too. Not but, necessarily like a whole range of legendary weapons. If they're all exotic, cool. Like yeah, if you keep it just the exotics, I'm cool with it too, I guess. But Because like, that's what makes exotics exotic. Yeah. You know, that would be fine with me. But yeah. I would like to see, I would like to see some more variety, because I don't want just one that yeah. is shock. I have a feeling, like I was just saying, though, that like, uh, if you go perfect nine to no and that chest opens and you know how it's supposed to be like really high end versions of what you could get from the guy in the reef anyways. Yeah. If he sold essentially normal equivalent quality, like normal normal raid mode equivalent, 310, et cetera, or 300 to 310. And then from that chest, you could get 310 to 320 if you finish a nine and no streak perfectly. Like I'd be cool with that. I'd be totally fine with that because that's how it, I feel like it should be. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm scared for that to, come back and try that again i've been waiting for it for a while and i'm just i'm only the only thing i'm scared of is what maps first because <laughs> that does play a giant role considering the whole weekend it's that map so if it's not a good map i pretty much don't play the whole weekend but moving on um fallout 4 has been doing more stuff with uh their pre-order stuff and more more hype fest so for uh, fallout shelter they're getting a halloween update I looked at it. It's pretty cool. It's just like stuff like characters are going to now wear Halloween costumes in their vault and there's going to be pumpkins around and it's just atypical Halloween style, Fun I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, in addition, though, Fallout 4 pre-order uh, bonus adds the Vault Boy socks, which are just basically long like tube socks that have Vault Boy all over them. But that's available. And lastly, Bethesda has teamed up with Carlsberg UK, uh, a UK brewing company. To make a Fallout 4 or a Fallout-themed beer. Um, I don't think this will be a pre-order bonus, but I think it'll be on sale from Bethesda's online store. I hope it's called Rataway Beer. That'd be pretty funny. I I mean, Nucka. shout out. Yeah. Nucka would be good, too, just because it's already Nucka Cola, Nucka Beer now. Is it? Yeah. Either one. Uh, we got a DC Universe Online adds CBS's Supergirl model for a short time. Yeah. Uh, just... Cosmetic change for a little bit, just yeah. just as a prom- promotion kind of thing. Yep, this um, isn't new in a way because, like, I mean, Hell and Justice, we had Arrow's Stephen Amell appear as a costume that you could wear, and it was his voiceover. Yeah. So, like, it's, this is nothing new. They're just hyping up their shows. Uh, Black Ops Three Season Pass offers a World at War map remake. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's all the maps so yeah, far. Maps I think, I think be... it's all or most, but still, yeah, they're coming back. Which all, all the best ones, I'm sure. I'm sure they're not going to throw yeah. in like the the crappy ones that everybody hated. But yeah, yeah, you, you you're getting a uh, an homage some to, some, to some legacy stuff essentially. That game looks like it's going to be good. Um, I'm still going to wait till it's actually already out and we get more of the fan bases kind of reviews of it, and that's largely due in part to this next piece of information. Um, Rock <laughs> Band 4 uh, got in trouble because the reviews on Amazon turned out to be posted by Harmonix employees. And another game 
Tony Hawk actually received a similar problem where uh, Activision was having the developers, employees supply reviews on sites as well. This is just dumb, guys. Ubisoft stop did it too. I forgot just, Ubisoft has done it in the years past too. Just, just stop it, okay? Your consumers, like, we'll figure it out. They're, they're gonna know. If if they go to play a game and the review said, "Oh, this is really great," they're gonna go back and find out who wrote those reviews and figure out why they were lied to. So, yeah, yep. let your fans write the reviews. If your game is gonna be good, your It'll fans good. are gonna say it's gonna be good. Yeah, your exactly. fans are gonna say that it's good. Yep. You don't need to hype it up yourself with fake reviews. Like what we've been saying in the past, like, yeah, you might take a hit with your investors and stuff by delaying a release, but if you produce a better product, the demand will be there for your product, and it'll supply the 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 recompense, the the repayment for the your investors to be okay with this. Investors are usually going to be more okay with the fact that sometimes a product isn't ready at launch and it needs to have more time to get ready for a launch. Exactly. Uh, last piece of gaming news is that Batman Arkham Knight is finally coming back out on Steam on October 28th. Uh, the patch has been out for a long while now, but I'm sure they were waiting to see how the reactions to that that patch went before they started to put it back on Steam. So I'm just happy to see it come back out. Um like I've been saying, the DLC slate for this fall for it is actually really cool. Um, and basically, um, basically, like it looks like we'll have like the season of infamy. We'll have uh, you know some interesting Robin fights, Two Face stuff, some Catwoman revenge stuff, and we'll also have uh, another Halloween themed kind of a. Gambit is what it looks like. I think uh, another DLC that's coming up with them is uh, something to do with Ra's al Ghul coming back. Because I was I forgot that was a loose thread from uh, Arkham City that they are gonna touch on with this DLC. So I'm pretty stoked to see what comes out with that stuff coming up. Um, now over to film news. First up, we have Topher Grace defending Spider-Man Three. Now I put this on here strictly because I've voiced my opinion on this podcast before. Spider-Man Three was salvageable. It just took some rearranging of scenes and removal of certain fights. And honestly, you would have had a good movie. Um, a large instead portion. You up. Yeah, instead you just released a fucked up film. But Topher Grace uh, basically was talking about it. And he says he, he knows the movie did really well with Sony, but uh, a lot of people weren't happy with it. Uh, he thinks Sam Raimi is t- uh, talented. And he remembers one time uh, he was on his ninth unit. Uh, uh, it's like running a small country. Um, and there's just some people just slamming uh, a big studio movie. He's like, he would love to see who's slamming those movies, try and fit in Sam Raimi's position and see how they would do. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that he's trying to defend it in a way because he thinks the whole trilogy stands by itself as a really good trilogy. And he's not necessarily entirely wrong, but there was a lot of holes in three and a lot of holes that weren't plot holes. They were just holes in film structure. Um, and we've talked about this on the cast before. Basically, the biggest problems were that the studio wanted one thing, the fans wanted one thing, and Sam Raimi wanted one thing, and Sam mm-hmm. Raimi was pushed to do all three at yeah. once. To be fair, um, with that statistic, by the way, um, the the movie itself did make as much money as a small country. So being being as it may, the movie could have done better but it sure as hell could have done worse. Financially, yeah. It's just, it's it's the structure of the film. 
But it, it was a good. It was bogged it was a, down by a muddled plot line that wasn't properly executed. That's all it really was. It was nothing negative on like I mean, albeit there was a lot of bad scenes. But think of it. Think of it this way. There was a stupid scene with him dancing, and everyone tries to forget that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That is <laughs> the one thing that should have just never been put in the film period. But. Um, now I lost my train of thought. It's all right. That sucked so bad. That scene. Um, <laughs> we got. Let me okay, put it this okay, way. Okay. Okay. So, here's 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 where I was, yeah, here's yeah, go, where I was going. Go, go for okay. it. Okay. Had that movie been absolutely fantastic, absolutely amazing, it gave everything that you wanted, would you have watched the new one? Well, to be fair to the timeline of this whole thing, too, um, they were gearing up to make the fourth one right right up until they cast Andrew Garfield and reboot the film. Like, literally, that day was the day that... Um, what's his name? Um, Toby? Yeah, thank you. Toby Maguire uh, got the call and was like, hey, we're not doing it. All the way up until then, he had been working out, getting prepped, just reading over the scripts, and was prepared to make the fourth film. So that's how close we came to getting the fourth one, was right up until they started production on the reboot. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have been the villain? Like, he killed off everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's my problem with it. That was one of my big problems with it. Um, Green Goblin's dead. Uh, Doc yep. Ock is is gone. Yep, um, yep. yep. Who else was a who? Who else was a villain? I mean, there's, there's two a villains lot. in the second one, wasn't there? There was Doc Ock and. I mean, it was mostly just him, but it was a building. It was building up towards, Harry to be Hobgoblin. Yeah, to be Green Goblin again, the second one. But regardless, what they should have done is just cut out the symbiote stuff until the very end of the film and closed off with the scene of uh, Eddie Brock getting the Venom suit and closed it off there. You would have set yourself up for a strong sequel. You would have and had Venom none wouldn't of the bullshit. Be dead. That Venom wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't have been stupid. You would. I mean, I also think the black suit design was bad because it looked more like the Negative Zone Spider-Man suit than the uh, actual Venom suit. So I don't know. There was a lot of pitfalls in that one for me. But I mean, the the one storyline from that movie that still stands out as a brilliant storyline is the Sandman one. The Sandman portion of that storyline was amazing. So. I liked the way that they brought him into existence. Yes. I liked that he struggled to put himself back together. Yep, I it agree. Was, it was a good good character development. And it was. Uh, I liked that they got it over quick, too. It was good, strong, showed a struggle, and yet it was done. And you're, you're moving on. But, yeah. Yeah, so that film, like... It was I've, a good... I've, I've done many a tirade, so I'm not going to continue. But, I'm, yeah, Topher Grace it, defended it. And, yeah. Um, another film series that should be dead, and for whatever I think this is the not. last one. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't even understand why. Why is it even there? Like... I mean, to be fair to this series, okay, so let's just say Underworld 5 has begun filming. Um, I'm okay with this only because Underworld 3 left itself open for a sequel because you had no idea where the one male lead went really with it. And then the fourth movie was a prequel to the entire franchise set like 100 or 200 years before. And so, oh, and then we had that bullshit fourth film that I don't even consider part of the series for some reason. What are you talking about? So, movie one, yep. you get introduced to Michael. Yep, that's movie the one. Movie two... He becomes a hybrid. No, m- movie, movie one, he becomes a hybrid. Movie, movie two, two, he shows off that he can be a hybrid, and she fights, She becomes Ascendant, or whatever they call it, immortal, because it, she gets immortal blood from the original guy. From Alexander Corbett. Yeah. But they defeat 
So they, they they defeat the two sons of Alexander, the two sons that became the first of their which kinds. are the original lineage. Which means that all vampires and all werewolves should be gone. No, that's not how this works. That's what that's what the movie says. I literally just watched this the other day. But so then, but says, then the third film, the actual third film, was the because that was right because we got the we got the weird we sidestep that was the prequel right then, and that's when we went back and saw the original story of how. Um, Lucian one, becomes the you. first, yeah, the uh, first lichen to change yeah, back and forth, back and forth by because will. Up until that point, they were all lichens, just outright. Yeah, they they changed once and they were done. Yep. Um, and then after that, though, after that one, we got one film that went pretty much straight to VOD, video on demand services, and it was her chasing after her daughter, and Michael's been dead. That's right. But see, that's just it. If you watch the second movie, he's not dead. No, but th- that's the thing is that this that third film took place 15 years after the second one or something like that. It was a big time jump because Michael's dead by this point and she has a daughter that's already like 15. So that means the child that they had after two has already grown up enough to be a teenager or 13 or 14 year old, somewhere right in there. And he's dead. No, because all of her... No, he's not dead. Because at the end of that last movie... That's right. They said, we're going to go find your dad. Yeah, because he's patient three. He's assumed to be dead throughout that film. Because she feels like she's fighting... I've out most of that movie for obvious reasons. I loved the franchise. I liked the first... The second one was pretty cool. I liked the third, learning where it was coming from. I liked learning about Lucian because he was my favorite character. Yeah, it's... I mean, Michael was always the one that I wanted to kind of see him go someplace. And then they punked him out in the second one pretty hard. See, the, the problem that, that I'm running into is now, after the second film, Michael is technically the leader of the werewolves, I guess you could say. He's the yeah. he's the like highest up lineage because he's a descendant of Corvinus. Yeah. Which means all the descendants of Corvinus need to die. This is basically how they've translated it into this, you know, futuristic movie. All the descendants of Corvinus have to die because their bloodline is what keeps. So basically mm-hmm. what happened is Michael is now the sole heir to the Corvinus bloodline. And because he's a hybrid, he holds the key to both of their survival until the daughter. Yep. Okay. But the daughter is also a quarter human. Mm -hmm. She's half vampire, a quarter werewolf and a quarter human. No, (laughs) technically if you want to get really down to it, she's, she's all fourths because she's also a fourth immortal. Sure. Yeah, because she because at that yeah so somewhere so she's like five things in one, but twelve that, things. Who knows? That anymore. was a good place to end it, and I don't know why they're doing it again. It de- it depends on if they have something compelling or not. I mean, we'll see, but based on how they release it, if it goes I mean, straight to VOD, I'm, I'm totally it's fine with seeing Sonya again. That that bitch is yeah, hot. Yeah, <laughs> um. Anyways, moving on though, because that's just stupid. Um. Star Wars. Star Wars Force Awakens did some stuff this week. Do it. They dropped a trailer on Monday. It's pretty fucking awesome. And it, what's hilarious is it kind of throws uh, hands, like Han has clearly changed his ideas on on Jedi by this point. Like if you and it's, it's to juxtapose the way he was in the first Star Wars film, the very very first one, when he was like, "That's all just je-, you know mumbo jumbo and sleight of hand." And then in this one, he's like, "No, Jedi are real. Like that's a thing. I've seen it." <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some shit. Okay, um, I've been there done that i literally watched a guy choke another guy from a distance <laughs> i've seen some shit man um and then so they they did that and then immediately after they they aired the trailer during uh, monday night football um 
the pre-sales became available on Fandango, AMC, and every other site that does tickets, and every fucking site crashed. It. I mean, the data load was too much. Well, here's the here's the thing that's funny to me because continuing on with this with this thing, yeah. Six point five million dollars were spent for pre-ordering, and that tickets. was as of four days ago. I couldn't find an updated number. I tried to because they crashed the sites. Do you realize how much money would have been spent? No, that's the sites? thing though is they got the sites up running the day after, and that's when most of the sales went through. But four days ago was only uh, Wednesday or so, and there have not been any updates since, at least posted online. My imagination says that that number is probably closer to eight and a half million now. Just in if not more, if not more, easy. I know some people like, I mean, Anthony, part of our podcast, he has stated multiple times, like he's planning on seeing that film at least three or more times. Like that is his goal. That opening weekend is three or more times. And I'm like, I feel like if I get one in that weekend, just because it's like, it's such an awkward place in time, like pretty much the week after I got to go to Kansas, Katie. So it's just like, I'll be in Texas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, but just, just, just to. Just to kind of give you a thought process here, I am actually friends with a guy actually. who is a manager at a Tinseltown in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, theater chain right there. Yeah, Tinseltown uh, is a great, great theater chain. Uh, they're owned by uh, I want to say Cinemark. Okay, yep, sounds about right. Cinemark Tinseltown. Yeah. Okay, so great place. They the the opening weekend of that they are not showing any other movies. All eighteen theaters in that movie place will be showing Star Wars around the clock. Yep. And they're sold out. Give you another frame of example. Uh, the previous single day advanced sales record for IMAX screenings was less than 1 million, and Star Wars broke that for just IMAX with 6.5 million. That's pretty specific, considering there's also a bunch of other high-end, like, quality premium theater kind of stuff, like the RPX from Regal and... XD from cinema. Exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that that doesn't track those numbers either. Cause I know a lot of people that like myself that are more into sound quality and that's an RPX thing or luxury seating. I'm sure that's the XD. Uh, the, yeah. The XD. So it's just like, I can say with certainty too, IMAX is not the most comfortable seating arrangement. I'll say that much. Their seats are very upright, rigid. So yeah, I just imagine that number's got to be insanely higher, especially when you start to factor in every other version of the film that you can see, normal versus, you know, 3D, real D, et cetera, or whatever. Ridiculous. Uh, moving on, we got uh, director Peyton Reed is returning on Ant-Man 2. This excites me because they did just add the Ant-Man 2 to the Phase 3 slate. So I haven't seen Ant-Man. I want to rewatch it again, so whenever it goes on VOD and rental, I'm doing it. I'm, I need to rewatch that just, one. Just call me. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it. it. Um, also on the tail end of that the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 collection has been announced for December 8th release I don't remember if you saw but Phase 1 collection was a uh, shield security case so it looked like a uh, suitcase the silver cases that they use in every friggin movie that has the shield logo on it and when you open it it has the Tesseract in it an actual glowing physical version of the Tesseract in addition to a bunch of files and those files are the CD sleeves or the DVD Blu-ray sleeves and it had like eight discs or something like that and hours of bonus footage and every single phase one film all in that case for like 220 bucks that you can now buy still for like 150 or so because they didn't sell them all. It's supposed to be a limited run, but not enough people purchased them all. I still plan to eventually buy that case. Um, I just want the test rack. Fuck the case. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's all in one. But uh, 
This one is, it looks like the orb from Guardians of the Galaxy, the big sphere, a giant version of it, and inside is the purple stone. And with it comes like a bunch of other similar, you know, sleeves that don't look like files, but instead look like something else that goes along with that more spacey theme, and it shows all the Phase 2 films. But that one's also going for 220 right now, and I'm sure here in like two or three years, it'll wind up going for about 150. So there you go. Um, we got three pieces of news for the new Power Rangers film that all tie together. Um, Dacker Montgomery has been cast as the Red Ranger. Uh, Ludi Lin cast as the Black Ranger. And RJ Siler cast as Blue Ranger. Um, none of this is really too crazy considering all three of these actors uh, have very minimal uh, acting history. I looked into it and none of them have really done much. They're all very unknown. So this will be the proving ground. Um, that being said, that's kind of how the original cast of Power Rangers handled it in the show. And I I know it's still Saban. Well, Saban has the rights again, so Saban's doing the, that work. And I'm sure that he's trying to go for something that feels very similar and reminiscent to the original series while having a much more refreshed and, and new age feel. So I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm excited. Exactly. USA Today's front page mimics Back to the Future's future issue on the 30th anniversary which basically translates to everything from that day forward is now the future and everything that happened in back to the future is now the past so we have reached the date and past yep what back to the future went to whenever they went to so the what's cool is that the the same issue that marty mcfly held up and lo- read about his own uh, arrest for theft uh was printed on that date just a little tongue-in-cheek thing that they did to uh commemorate the movie and all the tie-ins that that movie had because that movie had a shit ton of of marketing and and product placement i mean we have already talked about pepsi perfects that you can buy there is still a guy making replica deloreans yep and selling them i mean this guy considering how shitty the delorean as a vehicle was in terms of gas mileage in terms of actual power power, everything about it was garbage it just looked cool and that's the sole reason why it became the back to the future car but it was a cumbersome piece of shit that like yeah and this guy literally he yeah. makes he makes it an an exact replica yep. like all the lights and everything whenever mm. you turn it on like beep, 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 beep. yep yep but um flux capacitor all that shit he made one i think it was like 5 years ago whenever i watched this documentary mm-hmm. do you know how much it sold for several million i imagine 12 million dollars yeah, this guy right. he said i probably spent 40,000 making it yeah DeLorean's are dirt cheap um and then the just parts because and, it's hard to find the parts. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. the DeLorean, I think it had five years running as a, in production. Less, maybe even less. I, it's something like that, but only like a hundred thousand or so were actually produced. Right. Um, and only three were actually produced for the movie. Yep. So those three, the last one sold at auction for a couple hundred million. Yep. But the replicas are even selling for millions and millions of dollars because these are drivable vehicles. That a guy has just spent time and like, okay, like let's look at the schematic. And yeah, trying to make it as, as accurate as possible, also making but it he's, function correctly. He's actually the only certified replica maker. Yep. So buying it from him, you're gonna spend a shit ton more. Yeah, but just kind of tail into that. I just know I saw a bunch of stuff about like in honor of that day. I mean, everything was out there doing something because I mean there was like because well, we there's so much stuff that they like guessed yeah. at in that yep. movie that has come to li- like, the hoverboard even is a real thing. Right, but what's funny is like the way that people kind of took it the next step. There was a whole Australian police department that actually said they were activating a hoverboard squad and took a photo and posted on social media just for a joke. And it wasn't the hoverboard that they've made that that, that was at Lexus or whatever 
something like that made the the real hoverboard. No, it wasn't that, but it was a uh, just you know a Photoshop of them on boards that were hovering and yeah, little little fun tongue in cheek stuff. Um, you know, um, the actual actor uh, Michael J. Fox uh, even got the first the actual first pair off the line of the the Nikes that self lace. Yeah, the mags. Um, and who got him again? Michael J. Fox, the original Marty McFly. The lace ones? The ones that self-lace? Yeah. He, got, he, was, he wasn't the first one to get one. Yeah, it was. No, because it was the guy, it, there was a guy, he has Parkinson's disease that they were given to him. That's Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's and started the foundation, Michael J. Fox Foundation, to solve Parkinson's disease. That's who got them. Uh, I feel like I saw a picture of the guy, and it didn't look anything like it. It's him. exactly him, because that's the photo I saw, too. Um Um, but anyways, yeah, cause he's old as fuck now. <laughs> um, he got the first pair cause here he is there. He was wearing more of like a casual clothes and he was in his, his house when he was putting them on. Um, but he got the first pair off the line and he was actually putting them on saying how cool they were. And here it is. Didn't he get arrested later? No. Pretty sure he did. Let's see. So he got the first pair, and uh, he said that you know that all of the or fit like fifty percent of all the proceeds on the shoes go to his foundation to help solve Parkinson's disease. But it was really cool that on on the Back to the Future Day, which is now a holiday of sorts, um, he got the first pair, and he got to put them on and make a little video of him putting them on in his house. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's it for film news. Uh, over to TV and other serialized kind of shows that come out on the internet and such nowadays. First up, uh, the original Batmobile, the one from the 66 series, is up for sale for $5 million. $5 million. For that rep, that one. And that's not even a replica. That's the original car. So if you like bubble windows and black and weird, vibrant red, go for it. And you have $5 million that blow, do it. Or you could just donate it to Geek Domination. <laughs> yeah, we could use that funds to reappropriate and uh, grow. We'll do that. Yeah, so just Anyways, keep that in mind. Um, Venture Brothers. I'm so excited. I know, dude. I've been waiting for season six it's forever. Three years. They're finally greenlit it, and the first trailer's out. You can find it online. It's pretty fucking cool. The Flash. Flash mid-season finale is going to feature the trickster... Uh, with Mark Hamill, of course, reprising his role yet again. You haven't gotten to him, but halfway through the season, Mark Hamill reprises his role from the 92 series. Some fun fact that you probably don't know. Henry uh, Henry Allen, uh, Barry's dad, who's in prison, yeah. played The Flash in the 90 series. Really? Yeah. He was Barry Allen back then. And the trickster was played by Mark Hamill coming off of all of his Star Wars stuff, and before he started voicing the Joker, he was playing the Trickster, which was essentially the Flash's version of the Joker in many ways. Um, that being said, he uh, has, he reprised the role and included even the comic book's second version of the character as like essentially someone who followed and, and wanted to emulate the character. And Hamill nailed his character dead on and is coming back. Awesome. Yep. Um, Connor Hawk, a character from the comics, uh, will appear in Arrow this season. Uh, Connor Hawk 
Well, he won't appear, appear necessarily in just Arrow. He'll probably also appear in Legends of Tomorrow just because the way that show is a time travel show more than the other two are. Um, but just to give you some backstory, Connor Hawk is the future child of uh, Oliver Queen and another character, which was his college girlfriend at the time, who he knocked up. Something you may not know is that he did knock up a girl and she's made he and her have made several appearances on the shows, even in one of the episodes, the crossover episodes right, of the right, Flash. Right, 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 because uh, yeah. the, the mom pays, pays them off. Yeah. Pays off the girl. Yeah, and so um, we've seen in Flash, season one, um, Oliver runs into her at the coffee shop in Central City. Doesn't say much about it, but just kind of moves on. But if they were to play with that thing they've already introduced in Legend of Tomorrow by saying that the child that she has that grows up and eventually becomes Connor Hawk, the, the hero who basically looks exactly like Oliver Queen in terms of costume in the current comics or in the current show, the very s- similar green arrow look without the hood. So yeah, pretty cool, but he's shown up later. I don't know if they'll go with that storyline, but that's the one that just makes sense. Please pronounce his name for me. Vincent Donfronio. Donfronio. Um, Cast as Oz in NBC series Emerald City. Did you watch uh, uh, Daredevil on Netflix yet? That's a no. <laughs> That's a no. Um, when you do, Vincent Donfronio plays Kingpin, but you know his face. He's been on pretty much every cop show. He was on it like I think it was NCIS for a ass. long time. He'll make a good ass. Nice yeah. big bald man. <laughs> yep. Menacing bald man. Uh, last thing for TV, we have Kurtwood Smith infamously from that 70s show as red foreman he is coming to agent carter this year which agent carter will air during the mid-season gap of agents of shield um last year it was an eight episode run that was fantastic and i cannot wait to see this because i loved that series that little mini series was so good I can't wait to see him. I, he was my he was my favorite character in that seventy show. Right, a swift kick in the ass. He's done some great characters over the years too. Like there's other shows he did. There is really one. Exciting. There is one movie that I didn't particularly care for, but it's because he played the role so well. He was a. Uh, yeah. Have you seen Dead Poet Society? Yeah. Yeah. He plays the dick dad mm-hmm. way too well. He just nails dickish roles. And lovable roles really well. He just does his. He basically he, just does a, his acting really job really well. Actor, yeah. That's what it is. So. I'm pretty stoked. That's pretty cool. Comics and books and literature. So there's a few things here, but I'm only going to touch on two of them because they're all that really stuck out to me. Uh, first up, uh, Marvel created a Back to the Future homage cover with uh, Deadpool and Cable. They they oftentimes do comic books together where you know Deadpool is the, the comical, crazy slapstick guy and Cable's the straight man to play off that. And so they do a, a good comedy duo. But they did a... Uh, Back to the Future cover where it looks like the the picture of Marty and Doc stepping out of the DeLorean, lifting their glasses up and checking their watches. But in this, it's Deadpool and Cable. So pretty cool, especially considering Cable's a time traveler. That's what even makes it more funny. And then the the last piece of uh, literature news that we have uh, is that um, Darby Pop Publishing in conjunction with Bruce Lee Entertainment is launching a Bruce Lee comic book. Pretty stoked. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, just stoked because it's it's a really nice and kind way to continue telling stories featuring the legendary martial artist without having a body double or additional crap like that. You can just tell stories that feature and pay proper homage to that that person. 
Something somebody else to play homage to is going to be Bruce Hyde from Star Trek 1966. He is no longer with us. He died at uh, 74. We like to honor uh, people in geek culture who have done a large role or played a large role in our lives in some capacity. And so, as he said, Bruce Hyde has passed away this past week or two. And it was in, it was released to the public just this week. Um, yeah, dead at seventy four. Uh, in addition, we've also had a comic book artist pass this week in Murphy Anderson. He passed away at age eighty nine. Um, he was prominent during the golden age of comic books. He wrote a, he drew a lot of the stuff that people know from the art that looks like it's in the Super Friends. He did that style of art. So, yeah, he shaped a whole generation. And much like uh, him, Bruce Hyde also shaped a generation of nerds with his role on Star Trek. So we mourn you guys. Yep. With that, we're going to end the uh, nerdly news section and come back with our topic section where we interview Saber Grove and his cosplay stuff. Looking we'll be back. forward to it. <laughs> 